It's 14 minutes past 11. This morning, this is a diary note, one which, in theory, I'll be able to look back on in <laughs> 10 years' time. Or my daughter will, daughter's grandchildren will be able to look back on in 100 years. I'm in Hyde's Equine and Equestrian Centre. In front of me down the path is my daughter riding a pony called Summer. The weather is fine. Overall, it's a really lovely day. After I finish here, which will be a total of about an hour, during which she'll have a lesson with Brownie, who, much to my surprise, I found out recently, is a point-to-point, -point, well, ex-point-to-point -point jockey and point-to-point -point trainer. Uh, Hyde's uh, equine doesn't train for point-to-point. -point. Anyway, that's the first part of the day today. This is my diary on Friday. What is it? The 4th of August. And there is Brownie in the ring. I used Periscope this morning and Cormac Neville visited and we chatted. He instant messages messaged in some things and I replied but most of all it was his presence on the live stream that made this happen and here it is it's a <laughs> it's a first draft of a poem which hasn't yet been buried I'm not ashamed of how I was reared. It wasn't my fault. My parents never knew what they were doing to me. It wasn't their fault. I'm not imprinted with malice. That house was raised before the three tenors converted. Foxy the dog to opera. Stone walls and a rainwater barrel. The amniotic fluid where I swim butterfly daily unto the last post. I was brought up surrounded by books and holy water fonts. I was brought up surrounded by books and holy water fonts.
That didn't all come to me. In fact, the only thing that came to me during the live stream was the phrase I was brought up surrounded by books and holy water fonts. Totally true statement. But to be brought up surrounded by books meant a lot, not only to me, but to Cormac Neville. Because he works in, with authors and publishers. He's a special guy. And we agreed it was time we had a cup of coffee. No, we didn't. We agreed it was time we had a pint. We did all this on Periscope. That phrase, I was brought up surrounded by books and holy water fonts. The reason I, I'm able to say that is that my father owned a bookshop. We had a library at home. I am being brought up by books. This house is full of books too. Well, full is the wrong word. This house has a number of books on bookshelves. It's not unusual to find a half-opened book. My father would never have marked a book like I mark a book. He'd never have countenanced the use of a highlighting pen. And as for turning down the the corner of a page of print. I still think he might turn in his grave if he saw anybody doing that. The worst thing of all <laughs> that I need to confess to him, if you like, as my confessor, is that I have torn pages out of a few books in my life. But I thank Cormac I've absolutely no idea if any line will survive from that poem other than I was brought up surrounded by books and holy water fonts. But that line will definitely survive and has survived so far. If Charles Bukowski came back to life and came to Ireland, which many people know as the island of saints and scholars, Bukowski, Bukowski, Charles Bukowski, the poet, the writer. May he rest in peace at last. Bukowski would say, Ireland, the island of devils and degenerates. Well, hello. Are you sitting comfortably? Okay, then I'll begin. Little Bo Peep has lost her laptop charger and doesn't know where to find it. Leave her alone. And she'll come home after spending a bloody fortune on buying another one.
You have to keep your nerve when you're a poet. I mean, it is a bit like rock climbing. You know, you can, you can fall off a ledge in rock climbing. Your nails may not be strong enough. And you know when you can hold on with your whole hand and you're doing rock climbing, you probably say to yourself, I'm not really pushing myself to the limit. Anyway, I've seen people holding on with their, their fingertips and with their nails. And certainly that's what it's like for this particular poet. It's not obvious, is it, really? I mean, I'm just using my own language and my own imagery. But let me, let, me try and, let me try and bring you into the picture. You see, when you're writing a, a poem, you can, if you like, be in the zone and it comes tumbling out. The first draft comes tumbling out ever so quickly, full of, you know, energy and satisfaction and everything, you're, everything's flowing, flowing, you feel so great. And uh, it takes some time later to discover or to find out or reach some kind of a sense of whether <laughs> uh, that was a passing temporary feeling or whether that was a substantial piece of work which uh, really, really you want to you want to share. So you can be, when you're writing a poem, you can be in a state of, you know, kind of ecstasy. Um, the other thing is you, and that's not, I mean, that's not like rock climbing. In fact, if you climbed a mountain in a state of ecstasy, some rock climbers might say you weren't prudent enough and you need to be a lot more careful because your life is at stake. And that's exactly how it is for a poet or certainly for this poet. Because when you're a poet, you do research. Get out there and live a normal life, whatever normal means. You live daily life. If you don't live daily life, you know, if you sit in front of a bit of paper or a, a um, computer or notebook or whatever and you hide yourself away, well, you're either a huge genius or you're, you're never going to write anything any good, is my opinion. But when you're doing research, and I've been doing research over the last few weeks, and this is why I'm motivated to say something about this at all, because I haven't been writing any poetry. In fact, if I hadn't been for Sylvia, I wouldn't have written any poetry. But the key thing is you, I, let me use I rather than you, I've had this continuous sensation, oh God, I don't think I can write anymore. I mean, it wasn't a strong voice, it was a tiny little tickle, you know, something that I could laugh at. But it was, look, why am I not writing? I have, I have periods during which I write every single day, all the time. Well, not all the time, but a lot. But I haven't been writing recently. And, you know, it is like rock climbing. You just don't know if you're going to survive. You don't know if you're going to survive as a writer. You, I, and I, when I say I, I you, I mean I, I, I got this sensation that says, well, maybe I've done my work. That's it. That's it. I've emptied it all out. There's nothing else left in the tank. That's it. And that's that's as good as it comes. And that's it. And might as well just accept that. There's The rest is... You know, that was my blue period. That was it. Well, forget the fact that Picasso had <laughs> many periods. 
But what if Picasso had felt at the end of his blue period that that was it? You know, didn't have any more juice in the tank. So I'm pleased to discover again that uh, the risk has been worth taking. I have written something. I do have the ability to write. Um, and I hadn't gone away. So yeah, so it is. Yeah, writing poetry is like rock climbing. You know, you do... You know, I have climbed the mountain and I have come back down again. And I need to calm down and uh, go and get my daughter a birthday card for her friend who's 12. Goodbye for now. See you later. Bye. It isn't only Gary V that does vlogging. It isn't only Casey Neistat who does vlogging. Yeah, I mean, this is audio vlogging, isn't it? Yeah, I'm making so many pieces of audio during the day that I feel like, you know, if I had the time and energy, I could stitch them all together into a tapestry like vloggers do and tell a story rather than just jumping in here now in front of the birthday card selection in the local supermarket looking for a birthday card for a 12-year-old girl who is an excellent, very good uh, friend of my daughter. And, you know, typical with this thing, you know, it's like I see godson, granddad, grandson, age 50, age 50, age 40, adult ages, today you're four, five, seven, ten, twelve. You see, if I was a... She must be twelve. Yeah, she must be twelve. Yay, thirteen. Now, you see, who wants to be twelve? Do you, does everybody want to be thirteen these days? Or are you treated like a teenager when you're 12? See, if you're doing vlogging, you you rush around the place. I want something funny. I don't like all these um, things with just numbers on them. But, birthday wishes, enjoy your special day. It's fairly boring, isn't it? Happy birthday from your best looking friend. That's a bit funny. I don't think my daughter would like it though. You know, I can always rely on you to be a classy... Oh, that's not too bad. She's a 12-year-old. I can always rely on you to be... How it says to make me look classy, smart and sophisticated. Mm, yeah, maybe that's... Uh, open the bottle and allow it to breathe. If it doesn't look like it's breathing, give it mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. Perfect for a 12-year-old, eh? Happy birthday, little boy. Have a wonderful birthday with a... Aha, now, the fact that I love butterflies doesn't mean that she's going to love butterflies. Oh, she doesn't like dogs. So I'm getting her a dog one. Now, you see, the question is, would my daughter appreciate, think that my sense of humor was, okay, I could buy, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy two cards. It is a good one. Life is but a dream for you to make reality. Trouble is, it's a man going down a mountain. 
going down a mountain. You know, he actually looks a bit dejected. Toucan. I love toucans. Toucan party. Better than one. Happy birthday. Well, that's for couples, really. Oh, go, 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 go. A special gift for you. Special things. Trying to get something for a 12-year-old without making yourself look a fool, you know. Dad, Dad, how come you got this one? Don't you know it's, uh, you know, that's so boring, you know. How can I possibly give that one in as my... I'd be too embarrassed to give her that one. She's, she hasn't said any of these things, you know. I'm just projecting. Wishing you... Oh, God. Yeah, she was big into sport. Wishing you a happy birthday. Gold, puck, hole in one and score. That would be, I mean, that's okay. Friend and a butterfly. I wish there was one that said, you know, your friend, I know you real, I know your real age. What will you give me to keep it secret? Okay, what would they give you to keep it secret? Ha ha ha, only joking. Remember, if we couldn't count, age wouldn't matter. Well, that's quite clever. That's actually quite clever. Remember, if we couldn't count, age wouldn't matter. You're a great friend. I'm going for that. I'm going for one that has pictures of a brave dog, a sporty dog, a creative dog, a helpful dog, a tasty dog. Oh, I'm going, I'm, I'm going dizzy. I've stood up too quickly. Friend, I know you're... confiscation of 40 disabled persons parking permits known as blue badges in Cork, Ireland. The confiscation of them has caused consternation among people who have been using blue badges belong to friends of theirs. People who have been using blue badges, disabled persons parking permits, which were issued to people who are now deceased or who are using lost and stolen badges or who are using a photocopy of a relative's badge are quaking. Oh yes, 40 people. 40 of these badges have been seized. The issue that the citizens of Cork are beginning to debate is whether these people's names should be put on websites. So far this debate, according to sources close to the debate, is going on between closed doors. I was minding my own business this morning when across the Atlantic Ocean came a very direct question. It came from the east coast of the United States rather than the west coast. But here's how it goes, you see. And it came in from a good friend of mine now. He said, I've got a direct question for you. He said, the more I learn about you, the more I realize that you were actually a marketeer and a few other things he mentions. He also said, I believe that these are the major sources of your income. 
And then comes the question, why do you first and foremost present yourself as a poet from Cork, Ireland? So, he wants to know why I say I'm a poet rather than a marketeer. Well, I tell you very simply, there are much... There, there, there aren't half as many poets as there are marketeers. So if you want to stand out from the crowd, call yourself a poet. If you call yourself a marketeer, you'll be in with... I mean, how many other million marketeers are there in the world, you know? The fact that I earn my living as a marketeer and uh, storyteller and all that kind of stuff, that, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I'll be uh, put, in a, put in an envelope and packed away in some kind of filing cabinet if, I, if the word gets out that I'm a marketeer. And anyway, anyway, I wouldn't want to tell anyone on uh, Anchor that I'm a marketeer. I'd, I'd prefer them to think about me as a poet. I mean, I'm not looking for any clients on, uh, on Anchor. I don't want anyone on Anchor to think that I might be you know, being nice to them, developing a relationship with them, and then one day they were going to get, oh, I've just uh, launched a new training course on, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Um, please sign up here for my course or my newsletter or anything. No, 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 no. The one thing people know when they say you're a, they hear that you're a poet is they know you're not going to try and sell them poetry, because poets are awfully bad at selling their poems. And actually, there's so many poems you can get free on the internet that, you know, you could get through your entire life loving poetry and not actually pay a penny for it. So why on earth would I want anyone to think that I was in, had any kind of business, or even know that I do need some income to live on. People would be just as well assuming that I won the lotto and that I'm independently wealthy and that I have no need of your money. Now you can talk to me, you see? You can be relaxed and not be any way suspicious that I might be trying to pull a, pull a fast one on you someday. Anyway, it's true, I am a poet. I mean, I did say some places, I'm a father too. Yes, I'm a father. Nobody ever asked me about my children. No, hardly anyone ever asked me about my children, right? Uh, what else am I? An opera lover. Nobody asked me half enough questions about opera. In fact, I seem to have been singularly hopeless at, at uh, marketing myself. Oopsie, sorry, I'm in a bit of trouble. Yes. Yes, I mean, nobody knows who I am. I could be saying who I am for a long time, and sure, people aren't interested in who I am. No, why should they be interested? They're interested in who they are. And that's a hard enough question for people to figure out. Hanging a label, hanging a, having a, hanging a piece of limestone around my neck. I'd prefer have the piece of limestone engraved saying poet or versifier or uh, dispenser of enigmas or you know a metaphorical 
spirit. Yeah, any of those things will do me. So yes, yes, you can call me a poet. But my good friend Svee, who asked the question, I'm so grateful to you for asking me this question, really. So if you ever want me to do marketing for you, I won't charge you, I promise. Down on the streets of the city, people make music. I have to pay them. We need more music in our city. I gotta get change. I hope you'll be here for a while. Street and Oliver Plunkett Street, downtown Cork. Isn't live music on the street lovely?
alongside all the topics that I've made waves about and all the topics I've been discussing with people uh, via direct messaging, if you like, or via call-ins, um, the hearing issue continues. I, for those of you who don't know, my hearing is uh, below par and I'm seriously considering getting hearing aids and I have waved about this before and I'm very grateful to my friend Svi for calling in about the topic because anything anybody has to say about hearing aids will help my thinking so if you have any impulse to say something about hearing aids I'd be very pleased to hear about it so um, here is a, a couple of uh, things that Svi uh, said about hearing aids and I, I do intend to continue um, so long as I can remember to um, to speak about this and to listen about this oh and a small point I, I one of my concerns that I mentioned before about hearing aids is insurance apparently there is uh, one company one company here in Ireland that you can get to on online they're only available online you you've put in your details and uh, it covers more or less everything that I'd want except to loss losing it anyway there we are so here is some very useful words from uh, Spivice hey Paul how are you doing I listened to a number of segments that you made on your uh, potential uh, need to get uh, hearing aids. I don't know exactly your age, but um, I, I remember from years past the, the, the stigma that for some reason is associated with hearing aids. I do not find that that stigma, stigma is uh, warranted. I actually have a um, couple of friends who are being helped uh, tremendously by a hearing aid. Um, so you mentioned also that you're maybe borderline, not quite clear if you need to get one or not. So whatever uh, you decide, <laughs> it will be the right decision and you will I'm sure revisit it with with time and see what works best for you I don't know if again if I'm too sensitive to what I'm hearing but I hear your voice in one of your segments kind of talking about being hyperactive and the possibility of where this is leading. I hope you're doing well. I hope this uh, day will serve you well and that you be enjoying the day. Just, you know, do the best of it, my friend in Cork, Ireland. <laughs>